0: Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the 4th String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host Mitch and Skyler. Gentlemen, we're talking about the best team Texas has to offer, the Houston Texans today, as we continue our team previews. Um, We've already done Chicago. Go check it out. Go listen to it. Um, Now we're talking about a team who, I mean guys, really is attempting to build from about the very bottom of the barrel. Uh, two years ago, or last season, they traded Deshaun Watson, got multiple first-round picks out of Cleveland for it. Some of them they used last year, picking up guys like Derek Stingley. Um, but they they became very savvy with their pick usage in this year's draft. Um, fired Levy Smith, hired D'Amico Ryans, the San Francisco defensive coordinator, kept Nick Casario, um, the old New England front office.
1: Uh, what was his job in New England? Was he... He was he was their de facto GM, but he was like head of player personnel, like the like his yeah. title was was something in the front office. But he was basically the GM, basically the GM.
0: Um, There was talks of him possibly leaving. He's sticking around. Um, But Houston is an enigma. And let's jump into it. The Texans finished three, 13 and one last year. They started the season off with a tie against the Colts. They then rattled off three consecutive losses by seven to Denver by three to Chicago by uh, 10 to Los Angeles before they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 13 to six had an early bye, and then it all went to shit Um, one three and one walking into the bye, They lost eight consecutive games uh, to the Raiders Titans Eagles Giants Commanders Dolphins Browns um, Cowboys and Kansas City in overtime. But they finished the season on a strong note, which unfortunately cost them the number one overall pick. They beat Tennessee, lost to Jacksonville, and then beat the Colts to finish the year 3-13-1. and A um, lot of talk being that that last week win against the Colts was the reason Lovey Smith got fired um because davis allen or davis mills kyle allen jeff driscoll none of those guys were the answer at the quarterback position um quarterbacks for houston 20 touchdowns 19 interceptions last year um, but they had some good production out of some young guys uh damian pearson his rookie season 939 rushing yards four touchdowns he also added 165 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown so over a thousand all-purpose yards on the season um The team was led in receptions by Brandon Cooks, 57 catches, 699 yards and three touchdowns, but also had some good production out of young guys like Nico Collins, um, Brevin Jordan, um, amongst others. And on the defensive side of the ball, um, real great performance from Jalen Petrie in his rookie season. Five interceptions um, over the season to go with a fumble recovery, 147 total sacks, uh, da, 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 da. who's the other guy oh Derek Stingley as well their um, early draft pick had some injury issues only played in nine games um, but did finish the year with an interception to go with 43 total tackles on the year um, among some other defensive performers for him so Mitch we'll kick it off with you the Houston Texans finished 3-13-1 last year one Technically speaking, one win worse, but the same amount of losses as they had gone the season before. What were your thoughts on the 2022 Houston Texans? And please be kind. I've had a rough day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I just think it was a bunch of bullshit. I mean, we talked about it going in right after the Levy Smith tire. We kind of talked about how he's basically just getting set up to fail, like uh, the previous head coach, uh, David Cully, the former uh, Ravens wide receiver coach, I think. Um but, I mean, they just really didn't do anything to really set up Lovey Smith for success and really didn't let him build the team and his image. I mean, he just had no chance of succeeding. They're basically punting on the season. I just feel bad for the guy being put in that situation. And I'm glad he got the last lap by getting that last win and giving the Bears the number one overall pick. Um, but, like you said, out of all the bullshit that was kind of going on with that, um, you know, the rookies stepped up, like you said, Damian Pierce and Jalen Peacher, kind of the only main reasons to watch this team. They're the most intrigued. Um, so they got some nice uh, solid core pieces going forward. Um, so at least something good came out of this season. Yeah. Um,
1: I kind of agree. I I I don't know if like um For the owners of this team, I mean the McNair's are one of the like worst owners and in, in professional sports. Um, and so I don't know if they would be like, oh yeah, we totally were trying to to tank so that we could get Bryce Young. Um, I think that they, I think, I think that that is what they did. I don't think that they would ever admit it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I didn't. I think Nick Casario at least has done a a pretty good job of like trying to roster build, but I also know that he's probably hamstrung right now by the on by the owners. I mean, he's, uh, he has identified a lot of holes within this roster. He's tried to bring people in. Um, he, I mean, he's drafted re- he's drafted pretty well getting Jalen Petry um, and some of these other guys, even when he only had like what, three or four picks um, the year before those guys were contributors like immediately, like they weren't, it wasn't like, okay, these are going to be depth pieces for a team that doesn't like doesn't have a lot of depth. It was like, these guys were, were on the defensive side of the ball and Davis Mills, I think we can all agree played better than we ever thought he was going to as a starter in the NFL. Um, so like, there's, there is that to consider, but it's also like, I agree. Like you, you were having two shit seasons back to back Um, things need to change. Um, I think the D'Amico Ryan hiring is, is amazing, but like, sadly with a lot of these franchises like that are perennial top 10 picks, it's like, okay, but is it, but, but how much can they do while the owners are still there and still running the organization the same way. And so that's why it's like when we're looking at teams like Chicago or teams like Washington now where, you know, they have brought in new leadership, um, to kind of run the organization, then that kind of, even though i i hate kevin warren like it's still it's still going to be interesting to see how they manage those things and like how that actual new leadership from the top as an owner or the president of or the organization how that works and and for houston i have hope for them they've done some good things they had some awesome, some good pieces from last year but with the owner still there how does that translate no
0: that's all fair i mean you know, what I truly think it, and the guys might roast me on this, I, I think that there was a lot less of an expectation on Houston this year than there was on, let's say, Chicago. I think if Houston had ended up with the number one overall pick, none of us would have been surprised. I think we were all at least a little bit surprised. It did end up being Chicago with the number one overall pick, considering that, you know, the year before they had won like six games and there were a lot of other teams who, had bad starts to the season um or well had or or had much lower expectations walking in um but Houston finishing number two was simultaneously like hooray, they're not the worst team in the league but also like oh my God, they didn't get the number one overall pick like we look at what Chicago got for DJ Moore. if Houston had the number she one talked. overall pick, what could have Houston gotten? For that, knowing that they had number 12, knowing the way that everything was going to work out there, what could have Houston gotten had they decided to move out of number one? Or knowing that they were going to get whoever they wanted, would they have moved out of number 12 and gotten more draft capital? But I think knowing full well that they have two, they have another first round pick next year from Cleveland definitely indicated how this roster was built. Like, I don't know if you guys remember last year when we were doing Houston's free agent additions. There was a ton of guys they added on one year deals. And it was very apparent. Oh, yeah. It was very apparent that Houston was building a team in numbers only. It was like, we're gonna give a bunch of one-year contracts out, and whoever stands out stays, and whoever doesn't,
1: which, you're only gone, you're only here for one year anyway, you know? Which again, like what I'll say to that is like, while it might not be like we might not all agree that that's the best way to build a roster. It's not a dumb way to build a roster either, especially if you have money to throw around and you need, and you need quality players. It's not a dumb way to do it. Um, but on your, on your expectations thing, I, I don't think it was more of like, I would agree that like, yeah, Chicago winning six games, we saw improvement from Justin Fields, like those kinds of things do like, we do have higher expectations for Chicago that way. But I also think that because we knew that the owners were running Houston, basically into the ground. The the like we sat there last year. I wasn't well at least from my vantage point, I wasn't on this. This is my this will be the first time for a Houston Texans episode if it actually gets published that people will hear me talk about the Houston Texans. Yeah, right. Um uh from my vantage point it was like we're seeing this team being run into the ground. I don't think that they can win three games. And so it's, it was just, it's like, it's like when we get to Arizona, it was like very similar to how I think a lot of us are going to be expecting Arizona. It was just like the bars on the ground. If you can get above the ground, you're doing good. And so like, I would, I would agree with that statement broadly, but I'd also like, it needs to be colored by the idea of like, I don't think anybody had a lot of expectations for Houston because you had lost basically everyone. And like you said, you were then trying to rebuild it with, a bunch of you know quality veteran or uh, a bunch of veteran players like Rex Burkhead and some of those other guys that had had a playoff experience and you brought them in on one year contracts, but that was it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, so yeah.
0: You know what? What I will say for Houston, hey, you had six of your six of your thirteen losses came in one score games, including close losses to teams like Philadelphia, Kansas City, you, you know, as well as of your th- all three of your wins came in division. Houston actually finished three two and one in division which is crazy. You know, they didn't lose to the Colts, um, won one game, tied the other, and then they split the season series with Tennessee and Jacksonville. Those are all wins for Houston and all things that I don't think any of us were expecting. None of us expected Tennessee to to struggle as bad as they did. None of us expected Jacksonville to take such a huge step the next year. But even with that being said, a bad Houston team still found a way to win more, you know, to win three of their six divisional games and only had two losses. Now, you went 0-11 against everybody else. So you got to work on that, obviously. But there were bright spots for Houston. I go back to Damian Pierce, especially. You know, if this dude, he missed four games. If he had if he'd played all games based on his statistics and stuff, he probably would have finished with about 1,200 rushing yards, about 200 receiving yards, and about six total touchdowns. Not. World beating numbers, but for a third round rookie pick, that's pretty good. You know, running backs are an iffy, weird thing in the NFL. But if you can get one for cheap, who can get you 70 yards per game, that's one hell of a deal. And I think Damian Pierce is a huge bright spot. We talked about Jalen Petrie, um, Singletary. Hurt quite a bit, and I think also overshadowed by how successful Sauce Gardner was, and that that's, that's going to sting a little bit for Houston. But Derek Stingley still has a ton of opportunity, and we know how well D'Amico Ryan's and his system has worked with San Francisco's corners. You know, it's a it's an extremely friendly defense, uh, for for their players, and it's going to give him the chance to to really shine. Um. Let's move on then, gentlemen, and let's talk about their key free agent moves. Now, you can definitely add D'Amico Ryans in on this list. You know, his hiring um, for a Houston team who the year before kind of waited until the last possible moment to announce that they weren't they weren't even hiring Levy Smith from an outside job. They were just elevating him in organization, um, while this year they were one of the first teams to go out and grab their coach when they grabbed uh, D'Amico Ryans, but Houston did have quite a few free agent gains and losses. They sent Brandon Cooks in a trade to Dallas, but they did pick up Robert Woods, Shaquille Griffin, Dalton Schultz, Jimmy Ward, Shaq Mason, Sheldon Rankins, Jacob Martin. Um, They lost uh, a couple of additional guys. um, Ogbanwe uh, Okoronkwo, a great young player for them, Rasheen Green, um, Justin McRae, um, uh, just to name a few, and obviously quite a few others, Jordan Atkins as well. Um, and one of their starting safeties, Jonathan Owens. Um, but naming just a couple of their acquisitions, they got some solid veteran players um, kind of across the board here. So Mitch, taking a look at their free agent losses and gains, uh, what stands out to you?
2: Um, Yeah, I think the only really big loss is Brandon Cooks. Obviously he's been their best wide receiver since, you know, DeAndre Hopkins left town in that weird ass trade. Um, so that's going to hurt, but otherwise they haven't really lost a lot in my eyes. You know, some of the guys are some of those, like you were talking about those one-year contract guys that were signed last season, um, and guys who are just kind of like starting to get out of their prime and not be who they once were. So I don't think it's anything, any sweat off their back. Um, I do like some of the signings that they did. They brought in a lot of veteran guys kind of similar to last year. Uh, but I think two guys are really going to help them. Obviously Jimmy Ward coming in from San Francisco, he's really going to help those, uh, young DBs that they have, uh, um, change to D'Amico Ryans and what he wants to do, uh, defensively. So I think that was a really smart signing, um, by them to bring a guy like Kim into the room. Um, and then I think Dalton Schultz, uh, you know, he's coming off, a you know, an all right year. He had a better year in, uh, what was it 2021 Um, yeah. but this year he still had 57 catches 577 yards five touchdowns averaging 10 yards a catch um I think he's going to be huge for CJ Stroud's development just being that security blanket and I think he definitely take um that step forward again and maybe get closer to that 2021 year um I think he's also on a one-year deal so I think he's going to help uh, the offense and help uh, CJ Stroud uh, grow in his rookie year. Um.
1: Yeah, I w- I would say the biggest one is D'Amico Ryan. Like that's the that's the biggest one. Um, versus last year, we all kind of saw like like I, you called it Brady last year. I remember you saying they're hiring they're hiring Levy Smith so they can fire him. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what they're doing with D'Amico Ryan. You're 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 doing the exact opposite. of It you're taking who was probably the the guy everybody wanted. And you're claiming stake to him and being like, we want you to build our team. Um, I think that, and so that, that's good. That's, I mean, he ran some great defenses um, in San Francisco um, and it's going to be, it's kind of funny now that the Kyle Shanahan tree, it's going to be mostly defensive coaches are going to be, <laughs> are going to be the, because I mean, you already have Rob, Robert Sala, and now D'Amico Ryan um, as head coaches in this league. um. You know, on the offensive side, Sean McVay is the big one. But now people are just calling it the Sean McVay tree, like his assistants, and they're not even mentioning Kyle Shanahan anymore. Um, so that that's their biggest biggest addition. Uh, I I would say that the attention that they brought to offensive line is good. Shaq Mason's a big get. Um, getting Dalton Schultz, just having a veteran tight end. Presence in that in that room and I really say like most of their like free agent pass catchers they got like three of them they got Dalton uh Dalton Schultz they got Noah Brown and then they got um, Robert Woods Robert Woods like those that that's quality those are three quality guys that you know have played a lot of slot snaps in the NFL um and can help a rookie quarterback um get set up um, like like Mitch was saying. um, and then I'd also say Jimmy Ward, that like safety from San Francisco, he I thought he played well um and getting a guy that understands your defense, getting him in putting him in that safety spot, which can so it it really depends on what the system is. It's either the safety or the linebacker um works as a quarterback play caller kind of for the defense, um can help the the other people get used to the defense, help them get adjusted to it. Um and and show show these defenders how D'Amico Ryan wants his his defense run. Um, I think that's huge, and so I think that he he might not have as much of a presence on the field, which I still think he'll play well, but his presence off the field, um, in the locker room, in the in the film room, um, in practices is going. I, I think it's going to be is going to be just as important. Um, so like those are big ones, and then for losses, I think Mitch had. I, I would agree with everything Mitch said um like they didn't lose a lot of people but I mean the Brandon Cooks one is rough
0: yeah you know Brandon Cooks because there was a Brandon Cooks is rough for a couple of reasons a there was definitely some expectation there but b there was pretty consistent talk that Houston could get a second or a third round pick when they decided to move on from him instead they trade him to Dallas for a sixth and a seventh not great right but Clear $10 off your cap, which meant that you were kind of in a financial situation that meant that you could trade your seventh uh, round pick um, in exchange for Shaq Mason, or sorry, your sixth round pick in exchange for Shaq Mason from Tampa Bay and a seventh. Pretty good trades by the Houston front office, I think, all in all. Um, Robert Wood's signing is huge. Uh, Dalton Schultz, you guys touched on, just between Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown, those two signings. That's 100 catches, over 1,000 yards, and eight touchdowns from last year that Houston's adding production-wise. And this is a team that's hoping to get a fully healthy John Mechie available week one of the season, a guy who we didn't get to see play, I think, at all last year or much last year um, because of uh, his cancer diagnosis. Um, So uh, truly, those moves are massive. You know, you've added a really solid – Veteran in Shaquille and Shaq uh, Mason on your interior offensive line. Great. You've added depth at tight end after you've spent a couple of years drafting for that position. Um, You picked up some uh, interior defensive linemen uh, or some defensive linemen and guys like Jacob Martin and Sheldon Rankins. You picked up Jimmy Ward. I think that these were some really savvy veteran signings on what are mostly team-friendly deals. Um, That that means – that if these guys don't work out, it's going to be very easy for Houston to move on and very cap friendly for them to do so Houston. And we'll talk about it here um, as we move on to their draft, but by virtue of drafting a, a quarterback in the first round that you plan on leading your franchise, you're entering that cap space golden Haven where, where you're going to probably have the most cap space you're going to have unless CJ Stroud doesn't work out and you've got to rebuild all over again, like until he has to sign that next contract, now is your time to spend big money to bring in quality guys to build your team up. I don't think any of these were home run moves. I don't think anybody would look at it and go Houston got the best interior offensive lineman of the off season or the best tight end or the best set of wide receivers. But I think all in all, really solid moves for a team that was anticipating drafting a rookie quarterback. Um, Also, two other moves um, that they made that I just forgot to shout out. A, I think signing Case Keenum is a good move. This is a very well-traveled veteran who I think is going to help CJ Stroud out quite a bit. But then I also really like their signing of Devin Singletary. If it means that they can keep Damian Pierce to rushing the ball and Devin Singletary is a little bit more of that pass-catching halfback, I think that's a pretty decent one-two punch for the Texans. Um, Let's move on to the Texans draft because boy, howdy, was it an interesting one. Um, The Houston Texans walked into the draft, obviously having not only the number two overall pick by themselves, but at that point, number 12 uh, from the Cleveland Browns. With the um, uh, number two overall pick, the Houston Texans took not surprisingly, um, C.J. Stroud, the quarterback out of Ohio State. Houston then did something very interesting. They took the 12th overall pick, as well as the, the 33rd pick in the, in the drafts, which would be the second pick of the second round, and a first and a third round pick in next year's draft, and they sent them to the Arizona Cardinals, who would have been picking number three in order to move up, giving uh, Houston the number three overall pick, which they used to draft Will Anderson Jr., the edge rusher out of Alabama. In the second round, they took Juice Scruggs, the center out of Penn State. In the third round, they took Nathaniel Dell, wide receiver out of Houston. In the fourth round, they took Dylan Horton, defensive end out of TCU. In the fifth round, they took Henry 2020, linebacker out of Alabama. In the sixth round, they they took another center, this time Jared Patterson out of Notre Dame. Uh, they also took wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State. And in the seventh round, they took Brandon Hill to safety out of Pittsburgh. So a couple of Alabama uh, Crimson Titers on there. Um, multiple uh, addressing to the wide receiver offensive line positions. Mitch, how would you grade the Houston Texans draft class?
2: Yeah, I think I uh, I think this is going to be my first day of the offseason previews. I, I really like it. Obviously, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr., you know, those are going to be your franchise, face the franchise kind of guys for the next 10, how many years. um So that's great. But I I think the two guys right after them are could be the most, could be just as impactful as your two stars. Um, you know, start with Juice Grugs, uh Dude's been a really solid center at Penn State. Penn State's had some pretty good O-lines the past couple of years. Uh, During the East West Shrine Bowl, the dude only lost three uh, out of uh, 56 pass blocking snaps. Um, So, getting a guy like that to come in and fill the center spot after losing a guy like Justin Britt, I think, could really solidify this offensive line and obviously keep CJ Stroud clean, which is going to be very crucial for his development and then to take some steps and wins. And then Tank Dell, last year, his senior season at uh, Houston. 113 touches over 1400 scrimmage yards and 17 touchdowns uh the dude's a playmaker wherever you put it at him whether he's a wide receiver or as a returner um I could definitely see if uh you know D'Amico Ryan's chooses to use the Kyle Shanahan kind of offense uh for Tank Dell to really go into that Debo Samuel role um and then just imagining Tank Dell with like you said John Mechie's coming back very talented guy uh you know, coming back from cancer, and Nico Collins has shown some stuff. So you know, uh, CJ Stroud has some really nice weapons to go forward with, and um, you know, just kind of looking at their the rest of their draft class, I really don't think they missed anything. I like how they doubled up at some positions. You know, taking Xavier Hutchinson, a really good guy at Iowa State, to pair with Tank Dell. Uh, you know, doubling down on the interior. Um and getting some uh, defensive depth, so I really like it. I think they did a really good job in the first year of the D'Amico Ryan's era. Yeah. Um, this will be
1: my first A plus of the season. Ooh. I mean, with it only doing only doing two drafts. It's not like super impressive, but like still A plus. Um, I mean, a a lot of the talk into the draft was that they weren't going to draft a quarterback with their first pick, That they were going to most likely look at Will Anderson Jr. Um, and then whatever quarterback would have been available at 12, they were going to take, which in this case would have been Will Levis, um, which I really, really wish would have happened. Um, but uh, what happened is, I mean, so when they drafted CJ Stroud, I think we all went, what the fuck? Um, and then the you know decided to play chess while the rest of us were playing checkers traded back up and got Will Anderson Jr so they got what some people thought was the best quarterback in the draft Brady um and then what we who we all can agree was the best defender in the draft and Will Anderson Jr um just that by itself is worth an A grade um but then you get Nathaniel Dell who is a speedster at the wide receiver level or at the wide receiver can play slot, can play outside, uh, has a history with CJ Stroud. And apparently CJ Stroud was actually like really pushing for Houston yes. to draft him. Um, way to listen to your future franchise quarterback guys. Uh, we've seen what happens when you don't do that. Um, doing great. Um, you get uh, Dylan Horn now at TCU, who I thought was a main part of um, that championship run on that defensive side. Um you got both Juice Scruggs and Jarrett Patterson, who are both good interior offensive linemen. Remember when Jarrett Patterson transferred to Notre Dame and we were all like, holy shit, Notre Dame's offensive line just got even better, and then mm-hmm. now he's a six-round pick. Like, Jarrett Patterson can play center, he can play guard. You can put him at either position. Juice Scruggs is, has been part of, like what Mitch, Mitch just said, been part of um, some really good uh, Penn State offensive lines. And so now you have those two guys that can help with the interior of your offensive line. You already have Laramie Tunsil on. Yes. Yeah. Cause yep. they extended yep. him that. in the off season. Yeah. You have him on the tackle who, who despite how much money he's getting and how much Brady hates, how much money he's getting is a good tackle. Um, he is. So now, so now you're, you're, you're shoring up with that offensive line, which is really good because you have a young quarterback and you need to protect that guy. Um, and then you got Xavier Hutchinson, who is a good, who was, at many times uh, this last year, playing with Iowa State, one of the best players on the field. Um, whenever he stepped out, was consistently scoring. Um, he was really the only weapon that Ohio- Iowa State had in the pass catching department. Um, and so he got a lot of high volume, but then he he turned it. He it wasn't just he was a reception like he got a ton of receptions. He was able to get the reception and then turn it into something afterwards. And so now, when you're t- thinking of, you know. You're going to have three really good young wide receivers in Nathaniel Dell, Del, Xavier Hutchinson, and um, John Mechie, and then you're going to, uh, and now you have some veterans like Noah Brown, Robert, and Robert Woods in that room as well. Um, like that's that's a good, and then you add in Dalton, uh, Dalton Schultz as well. That's a good pass catching group that you have for for CJ Stroud, and it's probably one of the better all around pass pass catching. Uh, groups that you've had in Houston since you had, you know, Will Fuller and uh DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins, yeah, and Brandon. I believe Brandon Cooks was there for like one season with all three of them. No, and like that. The, no, never. No, okay. it
0: was that. It was that they had traded D Hop, and then I think like later that off season they had traded for Brandon or
1: Brandon Cooks. Yeah. So yeah. like, so it's been a it's been a while since there's been a like they might you don't have a guy like brandon cooks and you don't have a guy like brand um like
2: uh, DeAndre, uh hopkins. deandre
1: hopkins in the in in the room but there is talks that deandre hopkins wouldn't mind signing with the texans which i think would be fucking hilarious um but like you don't have a guy of that level in this room but you have a lot of guys that are of good are at a good level which is is good like you you want you you need that um to to compete and again the afc south is wide open so in terms of like what you added, most of these guys, I think are are good players. They can contribute, uh, maybe not start, but can be a good depth piece or can work um, in the second, like in a rotation as a rotational player. That's good. That's exactly what you need. And again, just from the first two picks, it's already an A. So if you can get a bunch of guys that can help after that, that's an A plus. I'm going to give it as you know how like when you would
0: go to school how technically like a 96 was an a plus mm-hmm. like that's what i give this draft class where it's like it's the lowest possible a plus you can give it and that's just yeah. sort of my eternal pessimism as like a a fan of this team um but skylar mitch i think you hit it on the head using your you you know having a number two overall pick taking CJ Stroud, the guy that I wanted them to take the the boys can vouch for it. I was viscerally mad when people kept talking about, well, these are the new odds for Will Levis going number two. (laughs) I was like, you can fucking eat a cock. Like it's not going to happen. It made Um, me so happy. Instead, they took the right guy. They took CJ Stroud. Part of me is a little hesitant at what Houston gave up to draft Will Anderson because not only are you spending the third overall pick on him, but you've basically spent two first round picks, a second and a third round pick for this guy. Huge ceiling, right? Absolutely huge ceiling. What, 34 and a half sacks or whatever at Alabama. Um, crazy for a defense that was as bad as Houston was last year. Bottom tier in almost every rank possible. Um you know, I, I would definitely hurt this draft a lot more if it wasn't for the fact that Houston has Cleveland's first-round pick next year. So no matter what happens, they've still got another first-round pick, you know, in the chamber there, basically. Um When you go down the list, though, I, I I still think it gets really solid. I mean, Juice Scruggs' starting center is a really solid pick. Patterson, who you can shift uh, from three different offensive linemen positions, even if he's not a starter, gives you – Not only quality of depth, but quantity in such a small package. You know, to have one guy be able to proficiently play 60% of your offensive lineman positions is, is solid. Um, I was surprised Tank Dell fell to the third round when Houston took him. I had that guy as a second round pick myself. I was ecstatic when that happened. Um, picking up Henry 2020 is great. And then everything else is sort of just gravy. I mean. Houston only had, I think, one wide receiver on roster above six foot one. So they added six foot three Xavier Hutchinson. Couple of things I would knock. You know, you signed Dalton Schultz on a very team friendly deal, but this was a very deep draft class for tight end. I maybe would have looked at going tight end with some pick. Maybe if they hadn't traded up for Will Anderson, had that other second round pick, that could have gone in that direction. Take it for what it's worth. Um, I would have liked to see them go uh, defensive back a lot earlier than the seventh round. Um, It was popular to take safeties in the sixth and seventh round of this draft. I think we'll see that as we continue this, these team previews, I would have liked to see them maybe bite the bullet a little bit earlier. And I would have liked to see them maybe go interior defensive line as well. But I, I, for a team who quite literally needed every position, all in all, I think they had a great draft class. I love what they're bringing in here. They have the opportunity to really build on what they have. That wide receiver room is very deep right now. It's unproven, but it's deep and that's honestly a positive thing for Houston. Um and their offensive line is the best it's looked. Guys, honestly, it might that offensive line on paper is the best it's looked since like Matt Schaub was their quarterback. I mean, <laughs> it's it's cool. cre- it's, it's because the entirety of Deshaun Watson's career in Houston, his offensive line was still bad. It was just Laramie Tunsil and then you know a bunch of fucking jabronis, basically. Um, now no, the offensive I line would... has some some quality to it,
1: you know. Yeah, I would agree, but I I still think that like there's there like we know these are quality college players. Yes, and I do think like like again like you can. Like, if you're going to take a shot on a center in the sixth round, take a shot on Jared Patterson. For sure. Patterson. Like, that is a guy you should take a shot on. If you're going to take a shot on a center in the second round, take a shot at Juice Scruggs. Like, that is a guy you should take. Like, those are things where it's like you are coming – they're coming from proven offensive line building schools. Like, how many offensive linemen from Penn State and Notre Dame are starters in the NFL right now? Pretty oh. good chunk. Like, almost the entire Colts offensive line. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, I think uh, I could probably name like eight off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, like these are guys. It's like the two things Notre Dame produces: it, they produce tight ends and they produce offensive linemen. Like that mm-hmm. is, like you're you're and they and they last relatively long in the NFL as well. So like that that is you're go, you you should take you're you should take those guys. But what I'll say is that the it, are it's going to be interesting to see. If, if both Scruggs and Patterson are starting for this Houston Texans team, which they both are good enough to do, that how quickly do they adjust to the speed of the game? Especially because when we get into the schedule that Houston has to play, there are some t- teams that have some pretty good defenses that they're going to have to face that could make CJ Stroud be cursing some names (laughs) oh yeah so like that well that's a great segue let's let's
0: hop into their schedule there um because yeah i think you're absolutely right this team this is always the hardest part about doing these team previews is that like we can look at them and go on paper this team has some real bonuses to it or on paper this team has some real deficiencies to it and then you get into the season and all it takes is one guy going down with an acl tear Or one stretch of really unlikely Minnesota Vikings esque wins, and bad teams find themselves in good positions, and good teams find themselves in bad positions. You know, Um, but I think it's a great way to kick off the uh, Houston schedule. They start the year off at Baltimore um, before following up uh, with a home game against the Colts, uh, going to Jacksonville, home against Pittsburgh, Atlanta, home against New Orleans before an early week seven bye. They come out of their bye going to Carolina. So we'll see the number one versus number two and number three pick uh, in that head-to-head matchup against Carolina. Um, they'll come back home for Tampa Bay at Cincinnati, home against Arizona. So that'll also be an interesting matchup considering the trade those two franchises had. Um, That kicks off a three-game homestand where they'll also play Jacksonville and Denver at home before going to the Jets, to the Titans, home against Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns at Tennessee, and then finishing the season at Indianapolis. So three of their last four um, in division, uh, uh, two of those three on the road. Mitch, we'll kick it off with you. 3-13-1, Three thirteen and one rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, a lot of young guns on this team across the board. Uh, how do you think the Houston Texans are going to fare in twenty twenty three?
2: I say they go one win better. I think they go four and thirteen, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that just because like, well, they have these guys, and I still think it's a bad team. Like you were kind of saying earlier, there's a lot of unproven talent on this team. I mean, like you said, in the wide receiver room, John Mechie, you know, didn't play his rookie year. He's coming back from cancer. I think it's going to take him for a while to adjust, you know, tank Dell. So he just routes a rookie, juice drugs, you know, at the center, a very important position on that line as a rookie. It's going to take time to adjust. Um, and then there's guys on the defense. You know, there's a, a lot of guys in the secondary at the safety and quarterback position who are second year guys and are learning in a brand new system um and it's a D'Amico Ryan system so I don't think it's going to be the easiest to pick up on um and the pass rushing department you know led by Will Anderson Jr. and uh, Jonathan Greenyard who I think could take a step forward after a promising rookie season two years ago um I think it's going to take time for them to adjust and they're playing some really good teams um so I think they're going to do one win better but I think uh it's the beginning for a better season next year, but I think this is going to be their adjustment and getting used to um, playing for D'Amico Ryans and just growing as a group.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I mean that like opening that first game up against Baltimore, um, if they can play well in that game, uh, that I think that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the season because if you can go up against that defense, score points, and play well, then they they could exceed expectations. But as of right now, I agree with Mitch. I have them going for and thirteen. Again, it's not about the fact that I don't think that they have good players on their team. And as much as me and Brady do like to argue about who the number one quarterback in the class is, um, I do think C.J. Stroud's a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think he fits all the. Pro- I do think he fits all the prototypes. I think that he's exactly what. Um, scouts are looking for in the NFL. Um, but I think that, if, like, but there are still decision making prob- things that I have problems with. And I think that in the NFL, those could be exasperated. Not that he's not a good player, not that he doesn't have quality talent. Um, but when you're going up against uh, Baltimore's defense, who is very opportunistic, when you're going up against Indianapolis, who always feels a good defense and has good players on there, um, Jacksonville, who's been playing really well. Uh, recently and has added a lot of good pieces, uh, uh, Pittsburgh. Like those are your first four teams you're facing against, and four and those four teams are aren't pushovers. Um, that's gonna be hard. That's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how that that first those for even all even to extend it that that before the bye How does C J. Stroud play? How well do they work? If he can exceed expectations, he can take care of the ball. He can make good decisions, which he is perfectly capable of doing. We saw, um how he played against Georgia in the college football playoff played amazingly, but here, but now he doesn't have a world-class wide receiving core. Now he doesn't have a world-class offensive line. Now He doesn't have a world-class offensive play caller. How does he adjust? How does he still use his talent? How does he move, move through the pocket, find players open? He's going to have to throw wide receivers open. Now, how does he, how does he move and adjust that way? I think he'll play very, very well. Um, but I, I, again, until I can see, like Mitch said, how some of this, this talent, this unproven talent plays on the field, um, my expectations are kind of low for this team at four and 13. Um, then I guess I'll have the highest
0: expectations of them. I haven't gone six and 11. Um, there's a couple of things about this Houston schedule that that helps them, right? Only four games against three opponents who made the playoffs last year. And that's Cincinnati. Jacksonville and Tampa Bay of those four games. And those three teams, one of them, Tampa Bay has gotten significantly worse in the off season, right? Um, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Indianapolis, a lot of these kind of fringe playoff teams have the opportunity to really go up, have the opportunity to really go down. A lot of the things that we worry about with Houston, those are problems. We can also push over to Anthony Richardson and the Colts who we're going to get to here in a couple mm-hmm. of episodes. Um, Pittsburgh uh, did some great things in the offseason. Kind of had a very Pittsburgh-y offseason, if we're going to be honest with it. Um, Atlanta is trusting in Desmond Ritter. Um, Tennessee issues at the quarter or questions at the quarterback position. Will Levis so far having a pretty tough training camp. Obviously, we're still very early in this process. But Ryan Tannehill had his injury issues and his quality of play issues last year. Um, You know, you look at... But then you look at some possibly easy wins... Denver was trash last year. We'll see if that changes. Carolina is expected to be not great this year. Um, Atlanta, New Orleans, um, uh, Arizona, if I already said them. Um, I I do think that those last five games are tough. Uh, At the Jets, at Tennessee, home against Cleveland, home against Tennessee, at Indianapolis. That's going to be a tough end-of-season stretch that I think Houston is really going to struggle with. But I can see them pulling out six wins throughout throughout this oh, this yeah. period. I think they have a solid amount of depth. I actually think their defense is going to play a lot better than expected. Now, part of that is that they can't play much worse than they did last year. I think like their best overall defensive statistic was like twenty seventh ranked in the league. So you know that a guy like D'Amico Ryan's, who who obviously his heart and his soul is in that defense, is really going to try to push that quality up. So I, I'm going to say six wins. I think that's that's. Um, that feels like oh. a solid moving forward point for Houston. If Houston can pull off three more wins this year with a rookie quarterback than they did the year before, it's not out of the realm that we talk about Houston being a fringe playoff team come the 2024 season, which would be the exact model we would kind of want to see out of that. Um,
1: well, no, and like I, I would say, like I think on a talent, like on paper, I think Houston can win seven games. For sure. But that's, yeah. But yeah. But that, but what I'm, what I'm saying is like, because again, like I have, like I have questions about CJ Stroud's playmaking ability and he's not. And I, I think that like, oh, who was the team that played all of the rookies? Kansas, well, Kansas City also, that, that one shouldn't count because you have,
2: Yo, Kyle um, Mahomes, fucking yeah, Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, but like, like you're going to have to rely on young, on young players, like from this year's draft and last year's draft, and young free agents that you brought in. So like, you're going to have to rely on those guys to play well. And so like, like again, I can completely agree. I think that they can go toe to toe with Tampa Bay. I think you they should beat Arizona. Yeah. Um. And last year, last year they played well in division. And so like, when I was looking at it, I was like, okay. I know I you should beat Arizona. You probably can get to three wins in division. Like you can split the series or if you go to two, you, sh- you could beat Tampa Bay and some other teams. But it's like, I until like, sadly the, this front office and the ownership is still there. You do have a new head coach, but it's like, Hey, this is what you should do. But I know what, te- what the Texans should have been doing for the last seven or eight years. And they haven't lived, yeah. lived up to those expectations. And it's also, it's, it's
0: a lot easier to look and be like, I know Arizona is going to be trash, but I know what that trash is going to look like for Arizona. So therefore it's easier for me to pick them to maybe win that game. Or I know that I know that Jacksonville is going to be a tough go. It's easier for me to imagine them pulling off that win because I've seen them play than it is with this Houston team that has a lot of these brand new faces Mm -hmm. that are going to be plugged in here. Here's, here's a question though that I want to pose to Mm -hmm. my co-host because it's kind of been brought up a couple of times. Is there a bigger drop in in quality of player between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud or C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson? We had three quarterbacks go in the first four picks. Skyler's kind of brought up his preferred quarterback would have been Bryce Young. Houston had the number two overall pick, kind of knew how that was going to work out there. But I, I guess that's the question that I pose to you guys is like, hey, you didn't get maybe the odds on favorite best quarterback. But is there that much of a drop off between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, or is it more of a drop off between the top two guys and that guy who went number four, Anthony Richardson, who we'll cover in a couple of episodes here?
2: You want to go first, Mitch? So are you talking like potential talents or just like the ability to play quarterback this season, I guess? I mean,
0: I guess, honestly, I would be asking both. Like, I, different people who you asked had a preference as to who the best quarterback was, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people put it on Bryce Young. Quite a few people put it on CJ Stroud. And after the draft and or after the combine and stuff, a lot of people put Anthony Richardson up there. So where's the higher drop-off of talent? The number one to the number two quarterback or the number two quarterback to the number three, you know?
2: I guess for right now at least in my eyes it'd probably be cj stroud to anthony richardson just because bryce young has been touted as the best pro ready quarterback the only negative against him was really his height um so i think he game gangbusters especially with the team surrounding him uh cj stroud you know i think is a pretty great quarterback and then it would just have to be anthony richardson just because you know the dude's very talented um uh, for what he can do through the air and with his legs. But, you know, obviously there's some mechanic issues, accuracy being one of the biggest ones, you know, basically how Josh Allen was coming into the league. So I think it's going to take him a while for him to realize his potential if, uh, you know, the Indianapolis staff can do things right and not miss out on his potential. So I guess for, for right now it would have to be uh, CJ Stroud to Anthony Richardson being the bigger drop-off.
1: Yeah, I view I view it. There's like there's three, there's three like, like of the four quarterbacks you can put them into three groups. Bryce Young for me is unequivocally the number was unequivocally unequivocally the number one quarterback in the draft, because if you gave him four more inches in height and thirty more pounds, everyone would agree he was the number one quarterback.
2: Mm-hmm. It,
1: it it had nothing to do with his just he made great decisions. He had an he has an arm. He can throw accurately. He plays well in crunch time. I, I completely and totally would die on the hill if you put Bryce Young on that Ohio State team, they win the national championship. Like, I think like with those weapons, I, like I because we all agree that his offensive line and his wide receiver court did not live up to expectations that we expect of Alabama at those two positions um this year. Then Bryce Young did everything he could to get this team to win, and it was his defense, it was his pass catchers, it was his offensive line that was struggling at different points, um, and that's why they lost two games. Um, so that there's that. CJ Stroud is just as talented as Bryce Young, but he makes worse decisions. He's not as good in crunch time. There are things like that where it's like it's more of a mental thing, more of a mental block, I think, for CJ Stroud, because he does have the height. He does have they can both run relatively well, use their feet. They're both um have good pocket presence. They both have arms on them. They both can make the accurate throws. It is honestly Bryce Young is just he is the better, makes the better decisions, is slightly more accurate. Um has those things. So there isn't like a ton of drop off in talent but there's a drop off in def- decision making and the mental part of playing quarterback in my in my opinion of why of why Bryce Young is ahead of him. And then you have a third group which is Anthony Richardson and Will Lovis, which are they, they fit the same prototype. They're extremely athletic with huge arms and can like yeah like that that is what they are athletic with huge arms. They are the Josh Allen prototype. That is like, can you then mold him into becoming a more accurate and and making better decisions? Like, can you do that? And so you have both of those quarterbacks say, "I think they can do." I think the reason Anthony Richardson went three, one of the four went three is because he tested better, tested better at the combine than Will Levis did. Like, I think that's really it. And because well, yeah, is and... A, and, and it's because Anthony Richardson is a freak athlete. Yeah, and so and so yes. what I'll say is like you. Yeah, so those two are very similar in terms of prototype of what they do. The only the only reason I put Will Lovis over Anthony Richardson is because Will Lovis ran a pro style pro style offense in college his two years in Kentucky. And so that gives him kind of more of an insight of what NFL teams are looking for. Um and so like it's there, there is there I would agree with Mitch. There is more of a drop off in talent between CJ Stroud and then Anthony Richardson will love us, whoever you put at three, than there is between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. It's just the decision making is the thing that I need to see CJ Stroud improve on. And then I can be like, he's a good court. Like he yeah, that is that was a thing holding me back on yeah. him. I think that I think I
0: think there's definitely merit to that. And we even kind of hinted at it like when we did our own draft preview and then in our post draft episode where we kind of went, it was very obvious walking into this draft that there were three teams that desperately needed a quarterback and four mm-hmm. quarterbacks who had a for a first round grade on them, possibly. Right. And so there was always this sort of thought that somebody might slide. And it just happened to be Will Levis all the way to the second round there. Um uh, but gentlemen, let's uh, let's ask big prediction for the Houston Texans. Um none of us have them making the playoffs obviously. So I'm assuming these predictions are going to be a little bit more based off of growth. Um but Mitch, do you have any big prediction big prediction for the 2023 Houston Texans?
2: Um yeah, I let's see. How about this one? Um I say by the end of the season uh, the undisputed wide receiver number one for CJ Stroud is Tink Dell.
0: Ooh, okay.
2: I think that uh, Nico Collins is talented, but, you know, he's still growing. Um, I'm not really including Robert Woods because I think it's only like a one year, two year deal. So he's not going to be there long-term anyways. And then John Mechie, I mean, he's coming back from cancer. So I think it's going to take him a while to get back into, you know, NFL shape or whatnot. But I think, Tank Dell has the most potential, and, and uh, like I said, if they're going to be running the Kyle Shanahan offense, which I think they might be doing with who their offensive coordinator, coordinator is, I feel like with uh, what Tink Dell does best, he could really slide into that Debo Samuel role and uh, get off the ground running.
1: All righty. Skyler, what about you? Um, I'll go defense places in the top 10 and defensive efficiency. I think that this defense can make Ooh, a big okay. jump. Um, when you get Will Anderson Jr. and some of those other young pieces that now have been in the NFL a couple of years, you, you talked about Singletary, um, on that outside, um, as a defensive back. I'm sure he was very, very happy when they traded back up and got Will Anderson Jr. Um, so that more disruptive back there i think that that really helps and so i think the defense just inefficiency i won't say like sacks or interceptions or yards or points but just inefficient they're going to be more efficient um i'll say top 10 um and then after we do this brady do you still want to do the like if this player yes. does well okay just making sure um so
0: here's my super spicy one that in no way will ever happen but i'm going to say that if it does end up happening i automatically win every competition. The Houston Texans will have both the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Okay. I like it. Um, I, you know, I CJ Stroud has a huge amount of potential. And I think when we look at the other rookie quarterbacks, I think he, at least on paper, definitely has the most help at the pass catching and halfback positions. Um, There's some quality guys in other positions um, like around there, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, um, that are involved in that as well but I, I think cj Stroud definitely has the opportunity to be the offensive rookie of the year and i think that will anderson jr definitely has the opportunity to be defensive rookie of the year um so
1: yeah let's and By let's, this time next year skyler will be eating his words
0: yeah uh so mitch um is, is there one player for the houston texans you might have already hinted at it with your praise for tank dell in this episode but is if mm-hmm. there's is there one player for the houston texans that you think is going to make or break their season in 2023
2: um, yeah, um, it's, it's a younger guy who's kind of been there for a while. And I think I'm going to go with the uh, Jonathan Greenyard. Um, Ooh, yeah, third year player. Yeah. uh, back in 2021, you know, he had an eighth sack season was the sack leader for them. Um, and I think with getting a guy like Will Anderson Jr. Who's supposed to be that generational talent, you know, the next, uh, Bosa brother, uh, you know, um, like Chase Young, whatever, kind of like. J.J. Watt, even like kind of like pass rusher, I think that's really going to help him. And if he's able to tap into that season where he showed all that promise, um, then, you know, Houston has two legit edge rushers. And I think they could really uh, accelerate their growth just having that pass rush. And that's going to free up some stuff for their very talented uh, young secondary so if he's able to tap into that, I think he accelerates the growth process uh, for this team. But if he kind of flounders again, um, I think it's really going to hold back this team because, you know, then your pass rush department is really Will Anderson Jr. at that point. So it kind of keeps you at, you know, the bottom tier kind of team. So I think uh, Greenier can be a catalyst for getting to uh, Skyler's hot take and for them to get more wins than we're kind of expecting.
0: That's a solid pick. He had a very under-the-radar year. Uh Skyler.
1: Um, I'll take a different wide receiver than uh who Mitch had. I'm gonna do in terms of like good things. I'll say John Mechie. I think if John Mechie the third plays well, both in the returning game, which we saw how explosive he could be there, um, but also in that slot, um, working the inside. If he can play well, if he can develop a rapport with CJ Stroud, if 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 he can play at the level we thought he could before his diagnosis um then this team there there is a there's a lot this team can do um uh, and they can play well and they can compete they can they can get to how Brady thought six seven eight wins maybe um and and kind of be the the Jacksonville Jaguars for this year of playing better than we thought they could
0: yeah for sure um I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the um I'm going to stick on the defensive side of the ball, um, and I'm going to go with two guys. A, Jalen Petrie. Um, This dude, I think, should have had a very strong argument for defensive rookie of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, Sauce Gardner had a great year. There's no doubt about that. Jalen Petrie had a fantastic season. Him now playing besides Jimmy Ward in a 49ers system that has built some really good safeties over the last couple of years. I I think he has the opportunity to launch himself into – possibly like a top five safety in the NFL by the end of this season. Um, But because we, because I brought up sauce Gardner, I also have to look at Derek Stingley jr. He was taken one pick ahead of sauce Gardner. He had a decent rookie year, but missed almost half the season. He has to come back and show why he was taken ahead of sauce Gardner, why he was viewed as maybe the number one corner in that draft class. Um, Because if Houston as the the potential at the pass rushing position and the at the, the the like real play to to back it up in the secondary they can be a very very difficult defensive team um in the nfl and and when you look in their division and we go okay i've got trevor lawrence who's going into his third season as a starter and then i look and i got rookie and rookie possibly um with my other two divisional teams th- those games look a little bit more favorable um So I'll nominate those two guys, Petrie and Derek Stingley Jr. Um, Gentlemen, that's our Houston Texans episode. We'll see if it posts this year. Drum roll for everybody. But um, continuing on here, we've got the Arizona Cardinals up next. We've got the Indianapolis Colts on deck. So by the time we're four episodes done, we're halfway through the AFC South. Um, At least there's that. Um, And Arizona (laughs) also had a kooky draft day. We're at three, moved back to twelve. Moved up to number six, Tyler Murray injury. We'll talk about that and its effect. They they canned Cliff Kingsbury, who took a secret tie vacation. Um, lots to talk about with the Arizona Cardinals in that episode. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. Tell us your thoughts on the Houston Texans uh, last season, offseason, and what you think they're going to do in 2023. Email us your thoughts, gmo.com. F-O-U-R-T-H, string, S-P, at gmail.com. Good night, everybody.